Lawmakers are back at the Capitol, but the smiles and handshakes of opening day did not last long. All members voting. Every 64 hours and 85 days, the amendment fails. How a floor fight over the House rules ended with mixed results for Democrats. Record revenue gives Texas lawmakers a rare opportunity when it comes to the budget, but also a unique challenge. These things are decisions they're able to make that won't just impact the next two years, but literally can impact in future generations. We get perspective on the budget battles to come and look at some of the options on the table as the session begins. President Biden's visit to El Paso brings new attention on the needs along the border. What we have seen in El Paso is really a, a, a lack of, in, in, of modernizing investment and a, a lack of modernizing our, our laws. We dig deeper into the response to the presidential visit and the questions about whether he got a distorted look at conditions along the border. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. They're back. Texas lawmakers returned to the Capitol Tuesday to kick off the 88th legislative session. It looked much different from the start of last session when the pandemic limited some of the typical pomp and circumstance. Capitol reporter Monica Madden shows us the scene inside the House chamber for opening day. It's just like the first day back to school. Friends reunite, there's a roll call for the old and new members, and family take photos to remember the day. But it's the strike of the gavel. Order! to signal classes starting with a seasoned teacher sharing words of advice. Jane Nelson, welcome back to the House. Former state senator and newly appointed secretary of state reminding members of their duties. No matter where you come from, we are all Texans. Amid the ceremonies and speeches, you'll find some distracted and tired students. While House members chose the same class president for a second term, 143 to 3 votes. Our freshman class of 2023, congratulations. A crowded chamber marking a stark difference from the COVID era session in 2021. Leaders alluded to today's hardships, including last May's mass school shooting in Uvalde. We owe it to the memory of those children and teachers to make sensible, meaningful change. But today in this school of lawmaking, Speaker Dade Phelan focused on paths of agreement ahead. The work is demanding, but it is noble. The work is necessary. And because we have the privilege of doing it for the people of Texas, I know we will get it done together. Monica Madden, State of Texas. The smiles and handshakes of opening day did not last long in the House. Day two brought debate over the House rules. Some of the most conservative members moved quickly to limit the influence of Democrats, specifically in response to the walkout last session that broke quorum that delayed Republicans from passing election legislation. On Wednesday, House Republicans added new punishments for members who break quorum. Those include fines and even the potential of being expelled from the House. The measures were included in the final rules package. We spoke with the chair of the House Democratic Caucus. He says his party still has a lot of tools to fight back. Democrats will be here. We'll be ready to fight. We will use every page of our rule book, every comma, every colon, every sub chapter to defend the values of people for the people of this state. Some of the most conservative members in the House tried to go farther to limit Democrats' power. Representatives Brian Slayton and Tony Tenderholt filed amendments to prevent Democrats from being named to chair House committees. 
Committee chairs are important because they have power to control what legislation advances to the floor for a vote. Those amendments, however, were blocked on procedural challenges from both Democrats and Republicans. Tenderholt and Slayton also tried to pass other amendments to the rules, including a provision to police pronouns. There's an unhealthy trend of people inserting their preferred pronouns in their bio signatures or signature. These kind of games should not be played in the Capitol. I rise on a point of order under Rule 11, Section 2, that this amendment is not germane. Most of those amendments died after other lawmakers raised parliamentary points of order. Those that did get a floor vote failed to pass. We want to bring in our Capitol coverage team, Monica Madden and Ryan Chandler. Welcome to both of you. You Thank had a you. busy week. Thanks oh, for yeah. having us. Yes, we have. <laughs> Ryan, you covered the controversy that the battle over the House rules brought. What happened there? I think if you could sum it up in a word, the mood of the day was frustration. You may remember last session, Democrats um, skipped town and, and flew to D.C. last summer in order to prevent Republicans from having a quorum they needed to uh, pass some election legislation. Some Republicans showed their first order of business was addressing that grievance from last session. They upped the penalties uh, for what they call quorum breakers. If you purposefully leave the chamber in order to prevent the business from continuing, you could lose leadership positions, you could face monetary fines. They're really trying to prevent that from happening again. Uh, but I think Republicans and Democrats were a little frustrated though, because some of the most conservative members of the Republican wing tried to prevent Democrats from having any committee chair positions um, and, and, and even went farther with, with some really out of left field proposals for, for requirements for committee chairs that just did not go anywhere. But I think by the end of the day, patience was running pretty thin. All right, well, Monica, you spoke with Trey Martinez Fisher, the new leader of the House Democratic Caucus. What are the expectations for him leading the minority? Well, I think, you know, especially based on what we saw from Trey Martinez Fisher in the last legislative session, he was one of those key players in that quorum breaking when they fled to DC. He kind of has a reputation of being a fighter. So I think progress in the Democratic Party were happy about his leadership position but at the same time you know he expressed a willingness to want to be bipartisan he said that because there's he said actually that there's 33 billion reasons to be bipartisan <laughs> in reference to that budget surplus they have so in that regard he's expecting you know to be able to work with Republicans on you know how to dole out that surplus and make sure that they're working for their constituents you know returning that money to Texans where they can um, on, on the other side though like I said he's told me that he's not going to shy away from fighting if he sees some of those red meat issues that Democrats are opposed to come up. Uh, Representative Martinez Fisher has definitely built a reputation of being someone who's extremely savvy when it comes to the rules of lawmaking and has been able to block some bills in the past just from knowing how that legislative process works. So I think his party's excited for him to be the minority leader and um, you know we'll kind of see how it plays out just based on what sort of legislation we see uh, come out in that um, in the House of Representatives. All right, well, pace yourself. We're just <laughs> at the beginning of the 140 days, but great job, both of you, this week. 137 more to go, I think. <laughs> Thanks, if, Josh. If they, if they stay on time. <laughs> yes. All right, thank you. Texas lawmakers face a unique challenge, how to best spend more money than they've ever had before. This is truly a historical once-in-a-lifetime budgeting session. We get perspective on the budget battles to come and the options on the table as the session begins. Our investigation showed how the state has problems tracking complaints against veterinarians in Texas. Now a new development, the step lawmakers are taking that could make a difference. 
and the search for solutions along the border, why the president's visit to Texas is bringing a mix of compliments and complaints. Texas lawmakers are taking new steps to ensure the state is keeping a closer eye on your pet's doctor. Investigator Avery Travis discovered missing disciplinary records from the Texas Board of Veterinary Medical Examiner's website last year. She's back at the Capitol to tell us about the future of the agency in charge of licensing and regulating vets. Plagued with problems, preventing them from doing their job. That's how staff tasked with reviewing the vet board described the agency in their latest report, released this week. They lay out many of the same issues that we found in our own KXAN investigation. That's missing disciplinary records that are supposed to be public for pet owners. A backlog of complaints and investigations leaving families and doctors alike in the dark. And ongoing issues with implementing a database that actually works. Our findings came after three previous legislative reviews had already called for changes. This time, the Sunset Advisory Commission, which judges the performance of state agencies, offering three specific options for lawmakers to consider. The Sunset Commission picked one of those options. That is to attach the vet board to another agency, the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation. TDLR's staff would advise and approve decisions for the veterinary agency for the next four years before lawmakers reconsider this decision. Now, the entire legislature still has to approve this move, but the chair of Sunset says they think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, the vet board needs improvement across the board and, and I think TDLR will give them the tools and oversight, manpower and, and kind of direction that they need to take. To watch our original investigation and to catch up on all of our coverage and to see how this issue really impacts animal and pet owners here in Texas, go online now. The Sunset Commission passed on recommendations for several agencies, including the Public Utilities Commission and ERCOT. Sunset is the process where the legislature looks closer at ways to improve the performance and functions of those agencies, or even whether those agencies should be discontinued altogether. There are three phases to the Sunset review process. Evaluation, where staff research the agency in question, identifying problems and areas for improvement. Then they publish a report with recommendations. In the deliberation phase, the commission holds a public hearing to get input on the recommendations. After the hearing, the commission meets to decide what recommendations to adopt and send to state lawmakers. That's the phase that wrapped up on Wednesday. The final phase is legislative action, where lawmakers consider the sunset bill recommendations. President Biden's border visit draws a mix of compliments and complaints. This is for nothing but for show unless it begins to enforce the immigration laws. We dig deeper into the response to the presidential visit and the question about whether he got a sanitized look at conditions along the border. More money, more problems. How the state's record revenue surplus is creating a unique challenge for lawmakers bracing for battles over the budget. President Biden's visit to the southern border last weekend drew a mixed reaction from lawmakers. Democrats in Texas called the president's trip productive, while Republicans called the visit too little, too late. Washington correspondent Anna Wernicke looks closer at the response to the president's trip to Texas. 
Hours after President Joe Biden made his first presidential trip to the U.S.-Mexico border, a bipartisan group of eight senators touched down in Texas to tour the same border town themselves. We want to take your experiences, your feedback, your frustrations, and your solutions um, back to Washington. The senators met with local officials and border agents before touring a migrant facility, a very similar trip to the president's visit on Sunday. They need a lot of resources, and we're going to get it for them. The president was joined by Texas Democratic Congresswoman Veronica Escobar, who called the visit productive. The other thing that has impacted what we have seen in El Paso is really a, a, a lack of, in, in, of modernizing investment and a, a lack of modernizing our, our laws. But the president didn't get a warm welcome from Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who hand-delivered a letter to the president that read, Your visit to our southern border with Mexico today is $20 billion too little and two years too late. This is for nothing but for show unless it begins to enforce the immigration laws. Texas Republican Senator John Cornyn says it's time to put politics aside. Our system's broken and it's our responsibility even in this polarized political environment, to try to come up with solutions. Anna Warnicke for State of Texas. As Anna mentioned, both the president and the senators visited some of the same areas in El Paso, but some border security officials say sweeps that happened before those visits prevented the president and other lawmakers from seeing the magnitude of the problem. News Nation's Allie Bradley takes a closer look. It's being called a crisis of epic proportions, one that is impacting thousands of people seeking a better life. I want to help my family in Venezuela. Their economic situation is not a good one. Since we are all brothers, we want to help our family. I also have children and want to help them as well. While Border Patrol agents warn, it's also threatening our national security. We have a problem. Agents are frustrated. The El Paso sector has had more than 168,000 encounters since this fiscal year began October 1st, according to DHS sources. But while President Biden visited some of the facilities in El Paso, some Border Patrol agents are saying the clean sweeps that happen prior to lawmakers visiting border communities prevents them from actually seeing the magnitude of the problem. If you kept continue cleaning it up, continue the dog and pony show, we're not going to get nowhere in this administration. We're not going to get nowhere with fixing the problem. This is what it looked like in December. The city started conducting roving patrols to help get people off the streets and into shelters. Border Patrol also ramped up foot patrols across the city, checking for identification and gang tattoos, arresting those with criminal records. The other individuals that have just crossed illegally, that have not been detained, have not been vetted, we have absolutely zero clue as to what any criminal background they may have had in the United States, what criminal crimes they may have committed. That's one of the major problems, I think. So by the time President Biden arrived Sunday and a bipartisan group of senators touring the area today, things were immaculate here in El Paso. This as a processing center is now only at 25% capacity. All the while, undocumented individuals work to keep their own space clean while they wait for a bus ticket. Another leg of the journey where they will encounter several checkpoints and face deportation. I just got here a week ago and they are not giving us the documents we need to travel up north. We can run the risk of paying someone to get on a truck, but then we could get stopped and removed because we don't have our papers. We need that for our family.
That was News Nation's Allie Bradley reporting from El Paso. President Biden's visit came right before his trip to Mexico City to meet with leaders of Mexico and Canada. At a news conference after the meeting, President Biden talked about the importance of working with other countries and providing aid to help slow the rate of migration. We're going to continue our efforts to address the root causes of migration uh, to help people stay in their home countries. I've asked the Congress for $4 billion to provide for that. We've also had our vice president provide for uh, private donations of over $3 billion to make sure that people look. All of you know, all of us in the United States are immigrants. Mine go all the way back to the Irish famine. But the point is, all of us have been immigrants. We can do more than merely just make legal immigration more streamlined. But we can also do it by preventing people from wanting to have to leave in the first place, by helping their communities, in fact, better their circumstances. The president also talked about the need for funding to increase technological capabilities on the border, both to intercept illegal drugs and people being smuggled into the United States. Record revenue gives Texas lawmakers a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity when it comes to the budget, but also a unique challenge. These things are decisions they're able to make that won't just impact the next two years, but literally can impact in future generations. We get perspective on the budget battles to come and look at some of the options on the table as the session begins. The budget is usually one area that leads to big battles at the Capitol, but this year's debate could take on a different tone. For months, we've been telling you how lawmakers would likely have more money than ever before available to spend. On Monday, we found out just how big that number was. Controller Glenn Hager released his official budget forecast, and it included a record-breaking budget surplus of nearly $33 billion. He calls it a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but also a unique challenge for the state. How do we make decisions today that will not necessarily impact the budget every single year reoccurring? Maybe there's only a one-time opportunity to invest in water infrastructure, to invest in the electrical grid, to invest in broadband internet coverage where we have three million people, three million out of 30 that have no internet coverage at their house if they want to a broadband coverage. So how do we make sure those connectivities are there or make sure that we retain good quality state employees, teachers, nurses, skilled trades that we all depend on every single day. And so therefore I think these things are decisions they're able to make that won't just impact the next two years, but literally can impact in future generations. And then lastly, as we all know with higher inflation, people are paying more at the average household goods they're buying and they're paying more in their property taxes. And so trying to have real meaningful property tax relief I think is imperative for them this legislative session. In all, Hager predicts the state will have $188 billion available for the budget. That's a jump of more than 26% over the last two years. But more money could bring more problems. Lawmakers can do just about anything they want, but they can't do everything. The battle now is choosing how to use the money to help the people who created the surplus, Texas taxpayers. Hagar urges the legislature to be prudent because there's no telling what the next two years will bring. While the overall economy of Texas is performing very strongly today, that ironically in this revenue estimate, I'm also saying Texas is going to likely have a mild recession later this year. Now, what we don't know is that potential recession nationally and globally, how deep, how wide, how long. We've had 
an unprecedented number of events in the last three years. A Russian invasion of Ukraine, impacts on global supplies, food supplies, and, and, and so therefore, we don't know what's on the horizon. The governor has campaigned on spending up to half of the surplus on cutting property taxes. Meanwhile, advocacy groups have called for using some of the funds for teachers, students, and Medicaid expansion. One of the most common questions we get when we cover the controller is how to pronounce the title. Even though the word is spelled with a P, the correct pronunciation is controller. But why? We did a little research. One common explanation we found was that the word was derived from the Middle English word controller, referring to someone who checks a scroll. But somewhere along the way, some people mistakenly thought it was related to the French word compte, meaning account. The P became part of the spelling. That's confusing enough. On top of that, we've heard people like Governor Abbott and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick pronounce the P. That even happens with some people who have held the controller's office here in Texas and in other states. We asked Hager about it and he had his own take on how to handle the pronunciation. I will say uh, technically correct, either controller or comptroller. It's amazing. Half the staff around here says one's way and half to say the other way. As one of my deputies said many eight years ago when he was testifying in the legislature, somebody said, is it controller or comptroller? He said, let me explain to you like this. As of December 31, I was working for Comptroller Susan Combs. As of January 1, I now work for Controller Glenn Hager. It's however the boss says it. So both are correct, but I like to go by the word controller. There you have it, straight from the controller. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.